Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
What could I do for you? This is going to sound just utterly ridiculous to you, but I'm moving, you see? And in an old coat in a trunk, I found this shoe repair ticket that must be seven or eight years old. It's for some shoes I brought in before I went into the Navy, and then I moved away from Brooklyn, and now I found this old ticket. And I know it sounds ridiculous that you would have the shoes after seven years, but I took a chance. Oh, I get it. You're that fella from Candid Camera. <laughs> 
No, 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 sir. Honestly, look, look, here's the ticket. Let me see it. Are you out of your mind? We haven't even used the numbers in years. Next! No, please, sir. No, no, it was a long trip here from Baltimore. I know it's ridiculous, but please, take a look in the back. All right, all right. I'll look. I'll be right back. This is very embarrassing. But after all, they don't make shoes like they used to. How can I be foolish enough to think that after seven years that they would still... Hey, mister from Baltimore, Maryland. Yes? You're not gonna believe it. You mean you found my shoes? Was it with half soles, leather heels, and metal tips? Yes, yes, that's right. It'll be ready Tuesday. J.M. in the A.M. Must be the month of Adar. Friday morning on this final day of February, the 28th of February, 2020. Day three in the month of Adar, the year 5780. Tough Shin Pei. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Truma with candle lighting time at 525 on this Erev Shabbos. 525, your candle lighting time in New York. 30 degrees, mostly sunny, and a high temperature of 42. Then tonight, partly cloudy and a low of 28. Tomorrow, partly cloudy and a high of 39 degrees. Yushalayim right now at 64. We're at 30 in New York City on a Friday era of Shabbos. Thanks so much for joining us. My thanks to Mark Zomik. He sat in last Friday, and I thank him for that. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us coming up. On a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos here at JM in the AM. Eitan Freilich had Ko Amar. You heard Mordechai Ben David's Kari Bone. The Panovitcher Nigun, brand new with Ari Waxman. Ruvain Garber, brand new with Hine. Ain O, that was Asbaklaria. Yaakov Shweki's Achsameach. And of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Well, if you were among the thousands, and I do mean that, the thousands who were watching the Yeshiva University men's basketball team last night, I can't tell you the exact number. That wouldn't be proper. But I can tell you there were thousands and thousands of people, uh, thousands of people watching around the world. And it got very tense. <laughs> very tense. But the Yeshiva University Maccabees prevailed. Boy, did they prevail. And they are in the finals. And the game is at YU this coming Sunday. And I believe the tickets were sold out within three minutes. And um, 1 o'clock Sunday, though, remember, a lot of you in Israel, um, you know, would not have bothered, which I understand, getting up at 3 a.m. to watch yesterday or this morning more accurately. Uh, but it's 1 p.m. Eastern time Sunday, the championship, which means if you go to maxlive.com, M-A-C-S-Live.com, M-A-C-S-Live.com, uh, at 1 o'clock Eastern time, 8 p.m. in Israel Sunday, you'll be able to watch the game in prime time. And uh, this is it. This is for the Skyline Championship. If they win it, then they uh, go to the NCAAs. But, um, boy, last night was a heart stopper. And the heart stopped too many times. <laughs> and thank God. <laughs> thank God Yeshiva University prevailed. Congratulations to Coach Steinmetz and a collection of players that are simply amazing. Even when they play awful basketball, they are able to prevail, which is incredible. And uh, they had a rough time last night, but they came out on top. And that is what counts. That is what counts. So congratulations to the Yeshiva University men's basketball team, the Maccabees, making us proud, making us very, very proud. And um, what can I say? 
We are all now getting excited for Sunday, hoping for a Skyline Conference Championship. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos here at JM in the AM. Malcolm Holmline will be joining us for the weekly update at 7.40 Eastern Time. Rabbi Yudin, of course, at 8.15. Plenty more on this Friday. Don't forget there's an election special on Monday. It's Election Day in Israel this coming Monday. Our election special begins at 3 p.m. Eastern Time here on the Nahum Siegel Network with Jake Novak. Um, Jake Novak is going to be the uh, the chief anchor, so to speak, of that broadcast starting at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Looking forward to bringing that to you. Uh, once the results start coming in, you'll be hearing all of it here. So at 3 p.m. this coming Monday, Eastern Time, for an election special led by Jake Novak right here on the Nahum Siegel Network. Um, trying to see what else I wanted to mention to everybody. Let's see here. Oh, we announced that we're heading up to the Hudson Valley Resort for Pesach. Hudson Valley Resort for Pesach. Uh, information about joining us at a very reasonable rate. Go to destinations613.com. 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 And uh, all the information is there uh, about all of Yossi Zablocki's programs and cruises, but uh, specifically about the uh, Hudson Valley Resort, uh, where we will be this coming Pesach. All right, so uh, check that out. And get set to uh, get set to enjoy. Um, this is the uh, Avram Fried Amram Adar selection. It's called Yaldi. It's Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. Yaldi habet li Shit, <laughs> 
very nice flight, isn't it? Very nice. By the way, I can't help but admire that fabulous diamond ring you are wearing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, it's 40 carats. <laughs> it's the famous Plotnik and diamond. The Plotnik diamond? Forgive my ignorance, but I'm not familiar with it. Well, uh, between the Star of India and the Hope Diamond is the Plotnik Diamond. I never knew. You know, I would give anything to own a diamond like that. Oh, believe me, you wouldn't want it. Along with this diamond comes a case. The Plotnik case. The Plotnik curse. Isn't that romantic? Not so romantic. If you know what kind of a curse goes along with it, it's terrible. What is the curse that goes along with it? Mr. Plotnik. <laughs> J.M. in the A.M. <laughs> Another one of our great comedy segments for the uh, month of Adar. Friday morning broadcast, JM and the AM at 12 minutes before um, uh, 7 o'clock. You heard the uh, selection from Yaakov Rosenblatt. Oh, first Shalom Aleichem, you heard from Aish. That's brand new from Volume 3. Alan Nissen was Yaakov Rosenblatt. Avram Fried and Amr Madar together with uh, Yaldi here at JM and the AM. Candle lighting on this uh, Erev Shabbos 525 here in the New York area. Tonight, over Shabbos, is the um, ninth yard site of my uh, dear late brother, Harav Moshe Yona ben Harav Zev Halevi. His yard site is tonight, and um, each year, and sometimes even more often during the year, uh, because of the tremendous suffering that he went through before his passing at the very young age of 59 years old, I will remind this audience um, about the symptoms that uh, led to his demise because uh, the discussion about these symptoms and how one can uh, take preventative measures has led to people in this audience discovering things they had which could have gotten much worse if they had not addressed it, addressed those concerns early on. So early intervention is obviously the uh, the most important thing when it comes to these situations. And if we can increase the amount of uh, early intervention when it comes to these matters, then we're going to be saving lives. So Rabbi Moshe Siegel, at the age of 59, uh, passed away after being diagnosed with uh, stage 4 esophageal cancer. The um, The progression of matters, as is normally presented by lay people like myself. I'm no, I'm not a medic, member of the medical field. Uh, but as I've described before, those of us who suffer from heartburn, um, very often that will turn into something called Barrett's. And very often that will turn into cancerous cells. That is the simple man's simple way of describing it and understanding it. So if you have not yet had an endoscopy, and especially if you're somebody who suffers from heartburn, uh, I am going to make this recommendation. Speak to your doctor about getting an endoscopy. It's a relatively simple 
screening. Many people on the same day that they uh, undertake and and uh, receive a colonoscopy, many times they'll use the opportunity on the same day and often during the same visit to get an endoscopy, which examines what's going on from the esophagus down. And... Um, and your doctor will be able to determine what's going on. And if, God forbid, anything is growing or anything is happening or anything looks really strange, there's ways of treating it, especially early on. And having watched my brother suffer the way he did, uh, I would hope that I would have a role in preventing that type of situation for at least a few people out there. And I know, and I know we've had already a number of successes, so to speak, of people who've heard these announcements have gone for the test and are now, you know, under control. So that's the uh, story. My brother's ninth yard site is tonight. If we can, uh, in his memory, if I can remind people about uh, being diligent about um, uh, checking what's going on in your own esophagus, about determining whether it's worthwhile speaking to your doctor because you have symptoms of heartburn, etc. Um, then this is uh, then this is uh, you know a good idea. So go ahead and um, speak to your doctor, get the endoscopy, and uh, live on for many many years in good health and enjoy enjoy your families and your uh, and life on this amazing good earth that God has given us. And for those of you who over Shabbos would like to remember um, my brother, maybe say a bracha in his honor, it's Harav Moshe Yonah Ben Harav Zev Halevi. Somebody we miss very, very much. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, 525 is candle lighting time in New York, 30 degrees, mostly sunny, and a high temperature of 42. Rabbi Heshi Billet's going to be coming up. We'll talk about voteoic.org, voteoic.org. Also, Malcolm Honline, he's executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us coming up at 740 Eastern time this morning here at JM in the AM. And um, Jake Novak's going to hop on in the 8 o'clock hour. Talk about the election special we're going to be doing on uh, Monday. And, of course, Rabbi Uden will join us and plenty more. What, a reminder from our friends at Art Scroll. Um, there we go. A reminder from our friends at Art Scroll. Zara Shimshon on Megillas Esther is now available. And the good news is if you use promo code RADIO, you get 15% off. So go to artscroll.com, go to artscroll.com again, use promo code radio. Zara Shimshon on McGillis Esther is now available. I suggest you go to um, the website, artscroll.com, just read up on it. Read up on how amazing a, uh, a publication uh, Zara Shimshon in general and Zara Shimshon on McGillis Esther is. It's very, very interesting. And there is a, a very interesting well-known schooler that is attached to it as well. So check it out. Zara Shimshon on Megillah Esther. It's our friends at Artscroll. Use the promo code RADIO for 15% off. Go to artscroll.com and enjoy. 
Eitan Katz, JM in the AM. Yeah. 
Yes, madam, I am a doctor. Oh, doctor, have I got a daughter for you? Yeah. <laughs> J.M. in the A.M. Friday on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Truma. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget, voteoic.org. Voteoic.org, and we'll speak later on about the importance of voting in the World Zionist Congress election. Rabbi Heshi Billet's going to join us from the Young Israel of Woodmere. Malcolm Holmline is coming up. He's Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us for the weekly update at 7.40 Eastern Time this morning. Full day on our network, including Table for Two with Naomi Nachman, the Arab Shabbos Show with Mark Zamek, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem that starts at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. This portion of NSN programming is brought to you by A&H, Abel's and Hyman, kosher hot dogs, sausages, and deli is the world's best, serving the kosher world since 1954 and available at better kosher supermarkets nationwide. Check them out today, A&H, Abel's and Hyman. You go to the supermarket, load up that wagon with their delicious products. Congratulations to the Yeshiva University men's basketball team, the Maccabees. They came out victorious last night. Wasn't easy. Was not easy at all. <laughs> but they came through. Congratulations. They go to the finals of the Skyline Conference, the championship this coming Sunday. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world, the web at NahumSegal.com and the NahumSegal Network. And of course, on the beloved NSN app. Galitzal in the background. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. We say Boker Toe from Jam the Ambulance. Galitzal, Ashashtaim, Shalom Rav, Kan Shir Hadas Meir, Im Mashakur Ershav. פרסום ראשון, ראש הממשלה נתניהו נפגש השבוע עם הרב גיא חבורה, הרב שהקליט את יועצו של יושב ראש כחול לבן, בני גנץ. אתמול פורסמו הקלטות, בהן נשמע היועץ ישראל בחר, שאמר כי גנץ הוא סכנה לעם ישראל. כעת חושף כתבנו יאיר אורבייטו, כי ביום רביעי ביקר נתניהו בישיבת תורה והוראה, יחד עם הרב חבורה, וטען כי הביקור אינו פוליטי. קודם לכן הגיב גנץ להקלטות וכתב, מדובר בהקלטות שבושלו באופן מכוון על ידי בעלי אינטרס שמטרתם אחת, להשאיר את נתניהו בשלטון לעוד שנים ארוכות. מהליכוד נמסר בתגובה, מדובר בביקור פומבי שהיה מתועד מתחילתו ועד סופו בהשתתפות מאות תלמידים ועשרות רבנים. שר החוץ של האיחוד האירופי, ג'וזף בורל, מגנה את החלטת הממשלה לקדם בנייה חדשה בשטחי E1 הסמוכים לירושלים. בהודעת האיחוד נכתב כי הם חוזרים על קריאתם לישראל להפסיק את הבנייה בהתנחלויות ומבקשים להימנע מכל פעולה חד צדדית המערערת את יכולת הקיום של פתרון שתי המדינות. לפני מספר ימים הודיע ראש הממשלה בנימין נתניהו כי אישר את בנייתן של אלפי יחידות דיור חדשות סמוך למעלה אדומים. ואתמול אושרו כ-1,800 מבנים במספר התיישבויות. ידיעה שריכזו כתבותינו הלל שחר ומוריה אסרף. הדבקה ראשונה בתוך ישראל של נגיף הקורונה. רעייתו של הישראלי ששב מאיטליה נדבקה אף היא. כתבנו לענייני בריאות מאיר מרציאנו מוסר כי בני הזוג נלקחו לבידוד בבית החולים שיבא תל השומר. במשרד הבריאות אומרים כי ככל הנראה הדביק אנשים נוספים שהתגלו בהמשך. ובתוך כך הישראלי שחלה על ספינת הדיימון פרינסס שב ארצה מיפן. הוא היה מאושפז בבית חולים בטוקיו והחלים, והיום נחת בנמל התעופה בן גוריון. 
וכעת ישוב לחיק משפחתו, ללא צורך בבידוד נוסף. בעקבות משבר הקורונה והקריאה לפיטורי אלף מעובדי אל על, יקיימו העובדים אספת חירום ביום ראשון הקרוב. במכתב ששיגר יושב ראש ועד עובדי החברה, שרון בן יצחק, הוא קרא לכלל העובדים להתייצב לאספה על מנת למצוא פתרונות להנחיית המנכ״ל, שהודיע כי בכוונתו לפטר שישית מעובדי החברה. ידיעה שמסרה כתבתנו עינב קרנר. מזג האוויר היום נאה עם עלייה בטמפרטורות, בשבת תחול התקררות ניכרת. בצפון הארץ ובמרכזה ירדו גשמים מקומיים. אלה החדשות. When my heart is full of joy, I got that brand new toy. I communicate, communicate. When my lunch falls on the floor, late for the bus and they close the door. I communicate, communicate. Talking has a way of pulling smiles from a frown. Sharing can turn your situation around. won't let you back communicate communicate it's hard to lift a ton when you're the only one but with two we can carry through talking has a way of pulling smiles from a frown sharing can turn your situation around Heartbreak won't go away Sharing your feelings is the only way So call your brother Ellie Call your sister in seminary Call your cousin Benny Call me, I'm always ready Nei lecha chaver and talk to a friend When you're happy, when you're sad Talking makes you glad Nei lecha chaver and talk to a friend Talking makes a friendship real So tell me how you
ושם מסביב לעולם יש צרות, דאגות, החיוך נעלם אחר תראה רק שחור כי גם זה יעבור והכל יסתדר כי השם יעזור יש תקווה, נשאיר כולנו יחד יש אמונה חזקה
שהחיים כל כך קשים, מה יהיה עוד יום עד שנה? אבל אני מחייך, לא דואג להמשך, כי יש לי, יש לי אמונה. לפעמים מרגישים שהחיים כל כך קשים, מה יהיה עוד יום עוד שנה? אבל אני מחייך, לא דואג להמשך, כי יש לי, יש לי אמונה.
From an album that he calls Yiddish Nachas, it's Yossi Green and Company with Ein Kelokenu. Before that, Ma'amin Benissim done by Yaakov Shweki. Avremel had Yesh Tikva, and you heard the brand new Eighth Day selection entitled Communicate to open up the uh, 7 o'clock hour here on a Friday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. Arab Shabbos Parsha's Chuma, candle lighting in New York at 525. We've been telling you uh, for weeks now, and we will continue to tell you uh, through Shushan Purim how important it is 
to vote in the World Zionist Congress election, we've been recommending, strongly recommending, the slate that we are part of, and that's slate number four with some distinguished um, Jewish institutions and organizations that are part of slate number four. If you go to voteoic.org, the Orthodox Israel Coalition site, voteoic.org, all the details are there. And, of course, the procedure of how to vote and how to be part of all this in the World Zionist Congress election is there as well. With us live via telephone to remind us of the importance and to encourage our audience to get out there and vote is uh, Rabbi Heshi Billet. Rabbi Billet, of course, over three decades at the Young Israel of Woodmere, one-time president of the Biblical Council of America, and uh, somebody who has been very involved in these elections uh, historically and, of course, this time around. Rabbi Billet, a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Uh, Nachum, you know, you're, you, before I even begin to talk, you're insulting me. Over o- o- almost four decades at the Young Israel Award, Mayor, in my 40th year. Wow, Mazal Tov. Yeah, right. That's, That's a miracle in and of itself. I'll make sure to quote you on that, Rabbi Billet. Um, what can you tell this audience that will uh, that will help us understand the importance of participating in the World Zionist Congress election? Yeah, I I, I think it's it, it's extremely important um, for for us. I mean, by us, I mean the. Uh, Orthodox Jewish community in its entirety uh, to uh, to participate in the in the in the in the World Zionist Congress elections, and it's it's really very it's really very simple. It's um, it's about it's about money, and it's about the future of Israel as a Jewish state, and it's about the future of uh, of um, uh, some components relating to uh, the safety of the Jewish people. Not only in Israel, but in the diaspora of Jewish communities, uh, it relates to a lot of different things. The World Zionist uh, Congress uh, has at its uh, at, at its uh, fingertips uh, a, a lot a lot of money, a lot of money, and that money, um, which translates into um, uh, billions of dollars, right? billions of dollars. Um, it relates to the allocation over of, of uh, at least five billion dollars over the next five years um, is, uh, is is very critical. And this is all, by the way, it's all about money and and, and philosophy. And right. I think those of us who are who are Orthodox Jews and those of us who who support Israel, um, be it um, be it um, because we use the word Zionism next to the name, or because we use our love of Eretz Israel next to the name. Should be supporting uh, the Mizrahi slate, the Orthodox Israel Coalition. It's the largest coalition of Orthodox communities. We used to be only one coalition, one organization. Unfortunately, uh, as uh, things sometimes happen, uh, we splintered, and there's more than one uh, Orthodox group now running for this. And of course, with, uh, what happens is that uh, when there's overlap, uh, and uh, and the vote, even if the votes are combined, you you lose you lose a certain amount of influence, and uh, we uh, we're we're functioning with uh, Herschel Schechter, who is a I think very important personality at YU, a world class Talmud Chacham, who's telling people to vote for the Orthodox Israel Coalition and for no other for no other group, not the splinter groups within the within the Orthodox community. And listen, you have the National Council of Young Israel, you have the OU, you have all the religious Zionist organizations in America uh, involved in in voting. I even think that the yeshiva world should be involved in voting. This is not about making decisions about controversial religious issues. 
This is about getting money for Torah, getting money for Israel, getting money to support Israel as a as, as a Jewish state, uh, getting money for um, uh, Jewish education in Israel, getting money to support Jewish communities throughout the land of Israel, which includes the Jordan River Valley, which includes the Golan Heights, uh, which includes Judea and Samaria, and includes pre-1967 Israel as well. We want Israel to be a Jewish state. We want money to go for, for, for Torah. We want money to go for, um, uh, and now it, some of that money translates into um, uh, um, money for America, for, for Jewish communities that are small and can't afford security. Uh, the World Zionist uh, Congress has funds which are contributed to for security. Uh, the World Zionist Congress... Um, cares about all of those things. And again, as I say to you, all of our organizations, I mean, we have, we have Yeshiva University, we have Turo College, we have Amit, we have B'nai Akiva, we have the Orthodox Union, we have the National Council of Young Israel, we have the Rabbinical Council of America, we have the Religious Zionists of America, we have Torah Mitzion, we have Mizrahi. I mean, you can't have a larger coalition of Orthodox groups. We have Torah on our side, Rav Shechter, uh, and, and many, many other important Rabbanim and Talmidei Chachamim uh, supporting the idea that you have to vote Torah, vote number four, the Orthodox Israel Coalition. Rabbi Heshi Billet is with us. VoteOIC.org. VoteOIC.org. If you have people in your family who are over the age of 18, they can vote as well. So if you have children who are, again, 18 and over, they can vote and participate in this. And you haven't told Shushan Purim to do it, but we are encouraging people to take care of it today. Do not delay. VoteOIC.org. VoteOIC.org. Right, Bill, as you mentioned, uh, some of the funds, of course, used here in the U.S., whether it happens to be in the education field, uh, Shlichim coming from Israel, uh, whether it's uh, MASA grants that we hope continue to go up to help parents and the institutions that uh, their children are going to, uh, security measures and safety measures, as you mentioned, which is such a critical uh, aspect now of life in the diaspora. Uh, but Rabbi Billet, before I let you go, what about the philosophical angle? Uh, those who live in the diaspora, those who live in North America, who often ask themselves, what can I do to participate? What can I do to make a difference? Wouldn't you say that this is a golden opportunity uh, that for someone who does not live in Israel, for someone who doesn't feel that they're on the front lines uh, of, of the um, of the battle for the future of the Jewish people, this is something they could do to make a difference? Absolutely, they can, they can make a very big difference. You mentioned the MASA, the MASA grants. Right. The MASA grants, which have helped people send their kids to study in Israel for a year, right. Uh, right. which I think is very important to all of us, uh, because uh, by studying in Israel for a year or, or more, you know, I know a lot of people in my community, where they come to me, they say, Rabbi, my son wants to stay for Shana Beth, what can I do? I always say, check your mezuzahs. I mean, uh, but it's wonderful if the kids stay for Shana Beth. It's wonderful if the kids make Aliyah. Uh, and, and, and the Masa grants uh, are down to $200 a, a head. It used to be $2,000. Right. I mean, it, this is a way that you can make a difference over here. The, the, by the way, also, uh, some of this money is used to fight anti-Semitism and BDS, which affects us in America. So, uh, of course, uh, this is an opportunity to be part of uh, the Tivot Hashem, and I don't mean that in a particular, <laughs> relating to a particular organization, but I mean the Army of God, the Jewish people, uh, Worrying about the Jewish community in, in the diaspora, worrying about uh, fighting anti-Semitism, fighting BDS, security in the communities, caring about Israel. And hashkafically, I mean, I think that there isn't a Jew in the world who doesn't say, who, 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 who cares about things, who doesn't say, We look forward to going to Zion. We all like to visit Israel. Some of us like to move to Israel. 
many of our kids have moved to Israel. What can we do to help the security of Israel, the Jewishness of Israel? This is really an opportunity. We're in the army now, and uh, it's just a matter of spending a small amount of money, $7.50 a person, less expensive for students above the age of 18, and making the effort. And, and in some places, they even have opportunities to, for paper ballots. If it's too complicated to use a computer, there is an opportunity in some places for paper ballots, and the paper ballots uh, are just as valid as the, as the online work. It's just so important. And so many of us in the Orthodox Jewish community have been trying to push this. It's been, you know, push, push, push. It's been very frustrating in past years where we've gotten so few votes. And organizations that care less about the Jewishness of Israel have gotten much more money. And this year, unfortunately, there are organizations that are also anti-Israel. I mean, I would say by any, by any standard who are competing for the money. To me, it's an incredible irony that the, um, that the World Zionist Congress would be giving money to organizations that call themselves Zionist organizations, but they're anything but. Uh, they're supporters of BDS for communities across the Green Line. Yeah, they, they definitely uh, support BDS, for, you know, to boycott anything which comes from across the Green Line. They say they're against BDS, against Israel. But we know that Israel includes the Golan Heights. Israel includes the Jordan River Valley. Israel includes Judea and Samaria. I mean, what, what, what could be an easier and less expensive opportunity uh, than, than voting in the World Zionist Congress elections? You don't have to buy a ticket to go to Israel. You don't have to expose yourself to coronavirus on, uh, on an airplane. All you have to do is spend $7.50, and it can make such a big difference. There you, it translates into big bucks. There you go, everybody. Right, Billet cannot possibly say it better. Uh, I, I join him. And encouraging everyone, if you haven't voted yet, go to VoteOIC.org, VoteOIC.org. You're looking for slate number four, slate number four, VoteOIC.org. All the organizations that are mentioned in this conversation you'll find uh, on the website of VoteOIC.org as part of slate number four in the World Zionist Congress elections. And we will remind you until Shushan Purim, but please take care of it now. Um, uh, The voting ends on March the 11th, and everybody in your family who's 18 years old, of age and older are eligible to vote. VoteOIC.org. Right, Billet, I thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and uh, let, let's hope. Anachem, we say in the Megillah, we want that to happen. It, this happens right after Forum King, Kielana. We should be successful this time around in accomplishing something big for the Jewish people, the land of Israel, and for Torah in America and all over the world. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a wonderful Shabbos. All right, Heshi Billet, on the topic of the World Zionist Congress elections, everybody, after those inspiring words, how could you possibly stay away from your computer? Get to the computer as you listen to JM in the AM and voteoic.org. Go to the website, voteoic.org, vote slate number four, and make a difference in the World Zionist Congress elections. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM.
Hello? Hello? Is the gypsy of the house in? <laughs> Hello, sweetheart. <laughs> I am your friendly neighborhood gypsy. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Madame Boiter. Internationally famous clairvoyant, fortune teller, mystic, palmist, astrologer, and caterer. <laughs> caterer? Yeah. On Fridays, I make fortune cookies. <laughs> now, how may I sign you with my supernatural powers? Well, I'm not really sure. Don't be bashful, darling. I also read cards, tea leaves, bumps on the head, crystal balls. In se habla espanol. Well, maybe you can help me. I must contact my dear departed grandmother. Can you hold us youngs and bring her back so that I can talk to her? Let me ask a question. You got five dollars? <laughs> yes, I do. Then I'll get in touch with her immediately. <laughs> Could you please hurry, madam? I'm very anxious to speak to my grandmother. Just a second, lady. After all, I haven't got a direct line. Besides, I haven't summoned the spirits yet. Quiet. Hello, <laughs> Can you hear me? Grandmother, come on down. Hello, granddaughter. Oh, you've contacted her. You did it. Is that you, Grandmother? Yes, it's me, my dear grandchild. How are you, Grandmother? Very well, thank you. Is that really you, Grandmother? Yes, it's really me. Then tell me one thing, Grandmother. Anything, my child. When did you learn to speak English? <laughs> J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. <laughs> That's great. Absolutely great. Uh, I want to wish a Mazel Tov to uh, Avigdor Friedman celebrating a bar mitzvah this Shabbos. Mazel Tov to David Schechter celebrating a bar mitzvah this Shabbos. Mazel Tov from all of us here at J.M. in the A.M. Uh, I mentioned that um, tonight is my brother's yard site. Also wanted to mention that today, the third of Adar is the yard site of Lobo, third yard site of the great Chaim Silber, who was such an important friend and supporter and mentor for us here at JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network. Um, he passed away three years ago on the third of Adar, so we remember Lobo today. Uh, tonight, as I mentioned, is my brother's yard site. Nine years ago, Harav Moshe Yona ben Harav Zev Halevi and... Um, I always say this every year. He passed away from the uh, terrible disease, esophageal cancer, diagnosed with stage four at the age of 58, and um, passed away at the age of 59. And um, 
many people out there suffer from heartburn uh, and they just live with it, I remind you that very often the heartburn and the heartburn symptoms turn into something called Barrett's, and that can certainly turn into cancerous cells that cause esophageal cancer, for example. So we are recommending that those of a certain age and certainly family history, and in addition, those who do suffer from heartburn, speak to your doctor about getting an endoscopy, an endoscopy as soon as possible. It's a, it's a screening, relatively simple these days. It's a screening, and early intervention, of course, is such a key because there's plenty to be done to let you live a long, long life if you catch it early enough. So you want to speak to your doctor about an endoscopy, and uh, keep in mind Harav Moshe Yona Ben Harav Zev Halevi tomorrow on his ninth yard site, and I thank you very much for that. More coming up, including Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll be coming up right here at JM in the AM.
JM in the AM. Proke is done by Shlomo Katz. Erev Shabbos Parsha's Truma candlelighting time at 525 in New York. Remember to vote in the World Zionist Congress election, voteoic.org. We're pushing slate number four, as we've discussed a million times. And my thanks to Rabbi Billet, who joined us earlier. Slate number four is uh, the one we are we are promoting. Uh, go to voteoic.org, voteoic.org. Anybody in your family, 18 and over, is eligible to vote. I want to thank our friends at jewishworldreview.com. Thank you to jewishworldreview.com, who... Uh, uh, not only remind their uh, readers about uh, our amazing network, but in addition to that, provide to the world thousands of articles to print out before Shabbos and to read during the week as well, by the way. You don't have to print them out and read them on Shabbos about Israel and the Jewish world. Go to jewishworldreview.com and enjoy. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays at this time for the weekly update at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good to be with you and good to have you back. I appreciate that. It seems like you've spent most of February in the Holy Land. In and out of the Holy Land, right? Yeah. I was uh, traveling for a month, but uh, some of it we spent in another country. Always a busy time of year. And thank God you got back. No quarantine necessary, I'm assuming. Baruch Hashem. And no joke, by the way, because we see that the coronavirus is making its way into the Middle East. Both uh, Israel, very concerned about it. You could tell us if you know more about that. And did you notice how some of the enemies of Israel are suffering from coronavirus at this point as well? Uh, there are. It is spreading, and it's, it's everywhere. But the good news is that Israeli scientists said that they will have a vaccine in, in weeks, which is no. really remarkable because it usually takes years to develop. And uh, but but the complications and the difficulties that this generates, uh, people don't truly realize yet. The market is already reflecting it in this what 13 percent loss. But El Al warned that it, it it faces collapse and will fire a thousand people because of the losses from uh, coronavirus. And you multiply that by all the other businesses, uh, friends, and people I've spoken to have said that they virtually closing down their offices because they can't get material or parts or things from from the region. I even read at some point this week that uh, Pesach in Israel will be affected because so much of the plastic ware that people use comes from China. Now it's going to come from Turkey, and that'll be a, at a more expensive price. And they're also talking about a matzah shortage for Pesach because less people will travel out of Israel this Passover than normally do. So the ripple effect is absolutely unbelievable. In every realm, I mean, it shows the globalization yeah. uh, effect. It, it will force co- uh, countries to become more self-reliant. Right. Uh, but, you know, there will be, be a lot of businesses that won't survive. So people should think about it and be mismalled about it and hope that it ends soon. By the way, uh, one other point. I mean, you, you know, I don't, I don't think this is a surprise to you at all. Uh, there's a, especially in our on our end of the community, our meaning this audience. I'm not necessarily putting you uh, on any end of the community. You're, you're, you represent everybody, but on our end of the community, there's a, a a tremendous confidence among many people that there will be no change in the White House this coming November, and that certain people on the other side of the aisle who are now in the contest who are now contestants in the in the uh, nomination game, 
uh, that some of those it would be impossible. Many people in our community feel for them to win an election against President Trump. And I remind everybody that you know if 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 in fact the economy and it does seem the economy and healthcare are the two biggest issues. And in fact, the economy is among the first or second biggest issues of this upcoming campaign. You never know what might happen. And those who, who think that, you know, it's impossible for a socialist or somebody who's anti-Israel, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, couldn't possibly ascend to the White House, a situation like this can bring about a major change. So I'm, I, I, I would, and, and we've seen crazier things happen when it comes to national elections. So there shouldn't be this air of confidence that, uh, you know, it's impossible for someone other than President Trump to win this upcoming election. You never know what circumstances are going to arise that call, you know, for people to uh, uh, to vote for somebody else. Anyway, just just wanted to mention to those who are a little bit cocky when it comes to uh, how they view the 2020 election that it's certainly not a fait accompli. Uh, speaking of elections, oh, and by the way, since I started with the U.S. election already, are you amazed at how little foreign policy is getting into these discussions and debates on the Democratic side? It is remarkable that all the foreign policy issues, not just Israel, which gets thrown in usually in a negative context, as uh, we saw in the last debate, an outrageous content, uh, context with the comments that Sanders made uh, with no response from others, um, and uh, but subsequently um, a number of Democratic leaders did and, and including Bloomberg, I think, came out against uh, what he said, uh, labeling both Netanyahu and Israel as a racist uh, country. Uh, but if you look overall, the references are really in passing to the to the issues, and it's much more of a personal rivalry than it is a policy one. And they, everybody, you know, is staking out positions, and when you have a multiple-person campaign, that, I guess, becomes inevitable. Mm. And whoever is the front-runner of the week gets... The, to be the target of the attacks, so the the um, absence of of substantive debate generally, and particularly on the Middle East, is is well, all international issues uh, is um, is certainly noteworthy. But on the Republican side, you don't have a, a fight, so there's no real debate going on there. It was outrageous that none of those on stage uh, during this uh, exchange that you just cited. Nobody would just say that Israel is the most important ally and friend in the Middle East of the United States. Like nobody can come up with that, which I would think is the most basic approach that one can use, especially in what we, you know, are used to the conventional Democratic Party. Well, they all did. I mean, they all have said something to that effect, or most did. Uh, I haven't seen what Tom Steyer has to say, but I know that his views are pretty extreme on this this issue. Um, but most of them have reiterated the the uh, mantra that Israel is our special ally or Israel democracy, but not about what they will do. And there are some who say they will move the embassy back, some who say they will not move the embassy back, others who have talked about conditioning aid. These are all very disturbing, and so we have a job to do to work with uh, our friends in the Democratic Party to assure that the, the voices of support are there and especially in advance of the convention, and it's something we are investing a lot of time into, um, because we can't afford to write off significant segments or any segment of the American people when it comes to support for Israel. We want everybody. We want it to be bipartisan. And in this atmosphere of polarization, uh, we can't allow Israel to become the, the football between um, individuals or between parties. And overall, Democrats remain, by all polls, supportive of Israel and the U.S.-Israel relationship. And uh, certainly Republicans uh, are, 
and uh, you know we'll see how things flesh out over the next couple of weeks after Super Tuesday, who will remain and what their positions will be. How do you like how the APAC convention became a political football in the Democratic uh, nomination process? Well, I think it's very regrettable. Uh, APAC does tremendous work, and I will be going. I'll be speaking there several times, and the I hope everybody else, any people who have made reservations, should do so today to show that uh, they're not going to succumb to the kind of slanderous remarks and um, the fact that a number of them are either boycotting or just not attending because it is right before Super Tuesday. Uh, I know that, uh, I think, uh, I've saw that Bloomberg, but I don't know who else will be speaking there. Right. And um, 18,000 people are coming. The attendance, I think, is at a record level or close to it. And the uh, absence also of Israelis because... The next day, or the day of the the Monday of the conference, is the election, so everybody has to be back. And in addition, because of the the scare, people are not traveling. Israel's Ministry of Health urged people not to travel, so those things all have an impact, again, on the unforetold ones. Um, Plus, of course, Yeshiva University men's basketball team has their championship for the Skyline Conference Sunday afternoon. That's also going to cut down on APAC. Everybody knows that. Um, By the way, anyone I've spoken to who lives in Israel or commutes you know, back and forth in the U.S. to Israel. I've spoken probably to four or five people this week. They're all going back. I was shocked. They're all going back Sunday in order to make sure to vote on Monday, which I don't know. I, I, I mean, obviously, it's a very small sample, but I, I was surprised at their enthusiasm to actually change their schedule and head back. I, I was surprised by it, too. I, I felt the same thing, that uh, people are more committed at a time when everybody said they're tired of these elections. It's mm-hmm. number three in a year. And right now, it looks like we're going to get the same outcome. Today, the, the polls, I think, are showing they're even up. BB seemed to have picked up somewhat, but now um, I guess it's it's a difference, maybe less than a seat between them. And, and, of course, Israelis are notorious for telling the truth to the pollsters and then lying at the polls, so the outcome is never exactly what what the uh, pollsters and analysts uh, say. But um, I haven't, uh, during in Israel, I met all the top leadership, and nobody was predicting anything right. uh, uh, mostly feeling that there's a stalemate, and if if it goes to a fourth election, I think it'll be really sad. And and uh, you know this undermines democracy. And the fact is that while Israel continues to function and flourish in most regards, not having a government means you can't plan ahead. It means you don't do a budget. A lot of things happen when you don't have uh, you know Knesset functioning and. People aren't sure about uh, the future, so they don't take jobs or they can't take, undertake long-term projects. What do you tell casual observers, you know, those who don't follow the news from Israel every day, when they ask you how is it possible the Israeli government continues to function under this uh, situation? What do you tell them? Israel's a land of miracles, and this is another one, and that the you know democracy it flourishes in Israel. They love elections so much that they've had three in a year. That the um, <laughs> <laughs> that the the um, system is a different system, and one could say that it's. Um, you see, this is the, the the downside of the list system. But I said it's comparable to Britain's, and uh, maybe Israel needs some reform in this regard. But that it is a fully functioning democracy, and in democracies, you know, governments have continuity, and pledges and undertakings continue. You see, the U.S.-Israel relationship remains very strong in Israel's defense uh, apparatus in on all fronts. And I saw it this time firsthand when I went to visit the tunnel in the north that Hezbollah built 
and I think we're the first group that were, was allowed to go and see it, and they took me down all the way, and it's so mind-boggling, and how they were able to detect this, because it's built as a spiral, not as usually tunnels straight across. It's a spiral down and then goes across. Wow. And, and they say they may have worked on it for 10 years, <gasps> but when you look at the infrastructure carved in the middle of a mountain that you're literally going down inside a mountain with uh, air conditioning with air and electricity and everything in it, and thinking that hundreds of terrorists could have been lined up to uh, enter Israel. They were a day from completion. It, it comes about 100 meters from a road, and you realize that you're looking, into this was all covered by rock, and they were just drilling it out, and and um, it, the, the amount of investment, the tens of millions of dollars that they put into to doing this, and just to kill Israelis. There's no other purpose. And this is the sixth one that they uncovered. And they know there are more that haven't uh, just dug on the Lebanese side, not into Israel. And obviously it's something they're monitoring and they have seismographic measurements and others. But you know, frankly, in you can't compare seeing it to what we read and what we hear. It's so overwhelming. Everybody who walked out of there just was shocked. The most pleasant sight was that the Israelis put up a mezuzah on the door <laughs> entrance to the, to the gate. Oh, unbelievable. <laughs> I, I mean, and I'm sure at some point you're saying to yourself, if only these people were were into life and peace as opposed to into murdering, imagine the positive stuff that could be done with all that money and resources and manpower. I mean, my God, that thought had to have come across. Of course. Crazy. It's absolutely a thought. You know, the, the, the people of Lebanon, Lebanese people, the economy is collapsing. Hezbollah's rule is, is dominant. Iran is now the hegemon because they control Hezbollah. The people, you see the demonstrations that took place this year and, uh, and, and the complaints and the polls that show that they, they are, are, are not happy with the situation. Uh, they can't elect the, the real governments that could function. And the, the, then the designation of all these funds and all this effort and, and the um, inability of UNIFIL, the unwillingness of UNIFIL, the unit troops that are stationed along the border to fulfill the resolution and with 2701, I think it is, that requires them to stop this kind of activity along the border. But they can't be blind to it. It's impossible. You can't have all these trucks of rocks and all the stuff that, that uh, was taking place. And you see that they sit in their compound and they do nothing. Unbelievable. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com and the NachumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Reminder, Monday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, when the polls close in Israel, our election special will begin here. It'll be live starting at 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Monday with Jake Novak anchoring the entire thing, and he'll have a lot of guests, voices that you're familiar with, other voices that will be new to this network. Uh, all part of it between 3 and likely 7 p.m. before our election special on Monday. By the way, one of my listeners uh, asked me this week to ask you, and, I, and I, you know, you, you obviously are very familiar with any high-profile senator. You've, de- you've dealt with all the senators, but especially those who are there for so many years and have made a real name for themselves. People ask, has Bernie Sanders always been like this? Now, I'm not sure if they mean in his personality or what we perceive to be anti-Israel. I, I, I mean, have you ever had a pro Israel conversation with him? No, and you know, that's part of the show that, you know, about boycotting APAC. He never went to APAC conferences. And 
um, and he's never been a, a supporter per se. You know, uh, one of the right. courageous voices in the Senate. So I think I think that record is pretty consistent. And and it just it's so you know. It- I don't know. Maybe it's frustrating because you know he's a New York Jew. He's a New York Jew. You would think that he would know better, frankly. And I am. I am starting to fear. And I don't know. After APAC, you could tell me if I'm if I'm right or wrong to fear it. I, you know, we always talk about congressional support. Thank God, the congressional support for Israel is the way it has been for decades at this point, right? You would say certainly for decades right. and has always been solid. I don't know. I'm I'm getting I'm getting a um a feeling. Uh, I don't want to say it's eroding or you know say something that that's happening drastically, but I but I think we're taking it for granted too often, and that we have to on a grassroots level all across the country really have to shore up what what has been solid support, but we don't realize how quickly we could lose it. I agree completely. It's it's not something we can take for granted. There is erosion. There's no doubt in certain in certain segments, um, but overall, Congress still remains supportive of the American people. Still, more than two thirds support the U.S. has a relationship and a strong relationship with Israel, and in some sectors, support has grown. Um, but we have to, and we are, we're reaching out to every ethnic group, to Asian Americans, Black Americans, Hispanic Americans, uh, and there's much more support there, the grassroots in some of those sectors than people know. You know, there's a large evangelical Hispanic community that is very pro-Israel, and they're, they're, we find that people are supportive. They want to find answers. They want to see how they can help and assure this that the relationship continue. There are those voices that get all the attention, that suck all the energy out, right. and they're a minority. But they're given the the the, the base, and they they therefore build on that and exploit it. You see the amount of money that some of them have raised, though they've done nothing in Congress, and they are just disruptive voices. But but then you know, as one leader in Congress says, that us, there are fifty four freshmen, and four of them get all the attention. Yeah. The fifty who are really supportive and work day to day get very little attention so these are things that we try to do but everybody invite your member of congress no matter how committed you think they are invite them talk to them discuss issues with them put them on the record on key issues that we have on bds on u.s's relationship with Jerusalem, all of the issues that you care about and um and and people should get involved in the campaigns look at your local campaign democracy demands involvement that's what they ask of us and too many people just take it for granted some of them don't even go to vote everybody should be registered and everybody has to turn out you can't have a higher stake than what we see these days and and if people don't get it now i don't know when they will and the pressure with the media pressure especially the media loves those that you were referring to uh, you know the ones who are bombarded and promote them, and promote them, and and that pressure that members of Congress then feel when the media goes after them on these issues, they don't always they don't always have the ability, or or sometimes even the information to really stay solid in their support for Israel, and they could cave in. So we can't take that for granted. Uh, all right, tell us about uh, Israeli. Uh, tell us about alleged Israeli uh, strikes in Syria over the last forty eight hours. Uh, Israel. Uh, actually, acknowledged some raids this past week, but the, the Israel is is uh, responding to the continuing Iranian aggression, moving weapons, uh, higher, higher grade weapons, the precision guided missiles is the big issue, which are, are being sent then on to Hezbollah, and uh, and stationed in <coughs> sorry <coughs> in uh, in Syria itself. Uh, to provide to militias, we see a lot of developments there with the Turkey and, and uh, Turkish soldiers being killed by Russian or pro-Assad um, troops uh, and planes. 
um, the, in, the fight between Iran and, and uh, Russia, because you see that there's no response to Israel's actions, no limitations being placed on it. There are periodic warnings. But the fact is that Israel hit uh, major sites of, of uh, Iran, and you don't see any aircraft missiles or anything else being fired because it's in, I think, the interests of Assad, of Russia, of all the parties, to have to limit Iran's continuing um, activities and and increased activities there, because they're looking for the for the Shiite crescent to be fulfilled, and it's they've made a lot of progress, meaning from Iran through Iraq, through Syria, through Lebanon to the Mediterranean, as well as in other areas and uh, aggression in in the Persian Gulf area. And when we were there in the Gulf. You hear firsthand about how extensive it is, what they're doing with the Houthis, what they're doing on the seas, what they're, the bases they built, the, the expansion of their military capacity. Do you sense the fear of Iran when you're there? 100%. And they're open about it, meaning the governments are openly discussing it with you? They openly talk about, throughout the region, talk about the enemy, and everybody knows it means Iran. Increasingly concerned about Turkey, which is also acting in an aggressive way, often paralleling the Iranians, but... Um, there's no love lost really between them, even though they make partnerships now out of convenience, and even with the Russians. But you see how quickly it broke down in Syria, and Turkey is threatening, you know, to release to stop the immigrants from flowing into Europe. Uh, also talking about taking more aggressive military action. So it's a very volatile situation, and the one stable element there is that Israel is is taking out the, uh, where they can find it, and as they know it, the, the threats that um, uh, uh, the Iranians are po- posing. And this is some also acknowledged throughout the region. And it's interesting, not not only that the, the fa- failure to respond to it, um, but the, the, um, the support that that seems to have. Israel can't afford to do anything less. It's it's the seriousness, and we were on the border. You look down, you you know what is happening, and the, the other countries in the region are applauding them for it. Right. Well, I get that that there's no choice, but it just always seems that Israel is much more aggressive recently. I, I think there was a time when it seemed they were much more hesitant to strike in Syria. Well, they wouldn't say it publicly. Even though they carried out hundreds of raids before, there was any public acknowledgement, uh, and the point was not to, you know, to provoke a response. That it, as long as these were mysterious strikes emanating from some force, you know, out of out of a space force. But now Israel acknowledges, and whether it's political or other reasons that some allege, uh, I think it's also a message that they're sending by acknowledging the raids and saying, "Look, this is what's going the price you're going to pay if you continue." Uh, so when you're in the Gulf region and you're having these meetings, as you did during February, as you described to us, I mean, are, are you basic? Are you essentially coming out and telling these leaders, you know, the stronger your relationship with Israel, the safer you're going to be? That 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 is the the answer. That is the one answer for the future of your country is just establish as as peaceful and as strong a relation with Israel as possible. Well, I can tell you that throughout the year, that message is not one we have to give because it's one we get where they look to to be able to strengthen the ties on all levels. I mean, as one leader said, Israel drives innovation in the region, Israel's expertise, Israel's things, all things that we need, and, and there's so much to be gained. Obviously, there, there's still the concern over the Palestinian issue, so they say that that's like an obstacle to public acknowledgement. But frankly, they're already moving ahead all the time. The fact that Israel will have a, a pavilion 
in in uh, Dubai 2020. A public that Israeli racing team was, I think, in, in the UAE this this past week. Uh, so many things, and and frankly, you know, people are saying, well, there's no, they don't give uh, countries that don't admit Israelis, and at the airport you hear Hebrew being spoken. Wow! So it's and 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 I have to tell you that um, where we were when we were in Saudi Arabia, we had kosher food the whole week. We fresh kosher food made and. Uh, many accommodations to us that um, were unthinkable in the past, and the the overall attitude I think is gradually moving. Look, the the public support, the public feeling towards Israel still negative in most countries, from Morocco to Egypt inclusive, and uh, to the Gulf. But it's changing. You get front page editorials about uh, it's time to change our attitude to Israel, and the attitude of the leaders is across the board. We paid such a heavy price. They don't appreciate it, meaning the Palestinians, the kleptocracy. They steal everything. There's no progress. And that our people are tired of it. They're tired of investing. And, in fact, I saw a poll of Palestinians that said no more pay to slay. You know, they should get whatever welfare benefits everybody gets. Right. But no more special treatment. No more. And, and a, another interesting um, uh, finding, just because it's not the kind of thing that ever gets attention, is that uh, most of them want to see a Palestinian state from the river to the sea. But when they ask them, I think 40%, a third of West Bank and about 40% of people in Gaza said, yeah, but we don't want to be part of the PA or under Hamas. We better we be part of Israel. <laughs> so, I mean, again, I don't see how people, I mean, the press hardly touches <laughs> so they're, on that. So they're for the existence of the Palestinian state. They just don't want to be in the Palestinian state. Right. But <laughs> but it was like 70% stopped, said stop the special payments. So, you know, the, the message is getting through to, to a lot of the people um but unfortunately they still are poisoned and we saw changes in textbooks we saw countries telling us how that they are working to to review all the textbooks i mean it's not something that people necessarily know leaders know uh, often what what is happening will be just published in a country and nothing to do with it or by order of other countries unbelievable well the countries can decide if they want to uh, use the israeli coronavirus uh, vaccine you know that's uh their choice. Yeah, that's their choice. And uh, I would assume Israel would offer it to everybody, including their enemies, frankly, because that's the way Israel is usually when it comes to these things. Um, and now about the uh, the South, because we know that rockets were raining down on Israelis in the hundreds uh, this week uh, from the Gaza region. What could you tell us about that? Well, clearly Hamas can't control Pidge, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, which gets it's the second most powerful group in gets the support, obviously, from Iran, as does Hamas, but um, it's much greater, the, the foremost agent of Iran. And um, you know that the um, they fear about the, what will happen to their own regime. Hamas doesn't want a war uh, because they know that it'll, the price will be heavy for them as well and that the, um, the, the uh, situation there of, of the rockets is intolerable and the balloons, which people don't, don't seem to know, but if you contrast what's happening there with the unemployment, with the the deprivations that people have, and only because of their own um, their own leadership and the uh, tendencies of and, and the exploitation of the population and the admissions, you know that the the, the march for whatever return was only to, to divert attention away from their, their um, the, the governments and the focus of the people on the government, but. 
we see that the Hamas is unable to really control them, uh, even uh, with the, the missile launches, and maybe afraid to, to have an all-out confrontation. Israel certainly has shown a lot of patience, but you know that can't continue inevitably. People in Steirot, all these places, have 15 mm. seconds to get to their to their shelters. Their resilience is beyond belief in in every instance. But you know, when their kids wake up in the morning, go out in the backyard to play, and there's a balloon, colorful balloons, and everything, and attached to it is an IED or a, other explosive devices or rockets, and um, these pose real risks. And the the um, economic deterioration in Gaza. Uh, will feed the more extreme uh, elements, but the so clearly Hamas is not in control. Egypt obviously is playing a role there, trying to help. Uh, Israel went to Qatar to get more money because their fear of the economic collapse would would uh, lead to greater uh, um, uh, difficulties. But it, it, but at the same time, there was an amazing story about a, a village called um, Araba. It's twenty six thousand people in in the Galil. And they have 400 physicians. It's the highest physician rate in the world. Mm. And I think more than half of them are women. And they talk about the economic conditions and benefits that they uh, derive. These are Israeli Arabs living in the Zionist state. And it's a story, again, that you know, no one will, will really publish or talk about. But if they, the Palestinians look at this and they say, hey, you know, this is the option for us. Uh, if we would make peace with Israel. But that story doesn't get through. And the textbooks that we see, we just saw a report that Britain had given £100 million uh, through UNRWA, through other sources, to publish these Palestinian texts, which are so horrific and, and are not reformed and don't change. So it's, um, you know, it's up to the European governments to start putting pressure on, to stop funding publications and the incitement and to get a message through to the PA, which is still backing BDS and still promoting a lot of the hate sites and um, use of the uh, social media to promote anti-Semitism as well as anti-Israel activities. But the European countries don't get it. Saudi Arabia gets it, but the European countries don't get it. Listen, is... if a fifth of people in Europe in a poll of, of I think, 16,000 people, one-fifth said that there's a secret cabal of Jews that is running the world, and... Um, and another fifth that said that uh, Israel exploits the Holocaust for their own benefit, the Jews exploit it. This is, uh, I mean, what more evidence do you need about the, the hatred, the, the seeds that have been sown in Europe, and that uh, 80 years after the Shoah, or 75 years, that the, you know, the, the, it remains in, in this strong vein of hatred and anti-Semitism. It's manifest in these uh, carnivals in, in Spain and in Belgium, where they use openly, openly blatant anti-Semitic um, uh, images and floats that uh, only can stoke hatred and, and anti-Semitism. Uh, we see that the poison still runs strong in, in Europe. We saw Naftali Bennett this week uh, said he's building 1,800 new homes. Now, those, those are usually announcements made by the prime minister. Am I right about that? Like, was he was he overstepping on this one in terms of his uh, position, I assume, because, uh, you know, the election day is coming up Monday? Before elections, there's no overstepping. <laughs> Good point. Good point. No, uh, no but, it's, uh, but defense minister, when Netanyahu was defense minister, also he did make some announcements, and certainly in the past— and because this is a, 
they need military permission, I think, for the housing constructions in, that, in those areas. But clearly, you know, everybody will use every opportunity to get a positive media and build up their bases and attract the votes. So I think that's what Bennett was doing, too. And the question is if BB in the next few days can convince enough right-wingers that he's the man and that they don't go to the smaller parties. You know, what's interesting, by the way, and I'm sure everyone's going to analyze this a million times, uh, likely, if it, I mean, assuming it happens again, uh, everyone suspected after the first election people would leave the smaller parties, voters would leave the smaller parties and gravitate toward the larger ones just because of the you know mentality that we need you know we need a majority government we need uh, a government that can function etc and just the opposite happened of course uh, if you look at the results between the first second and third elections and I guess that's the real prediction that's the real prediction when it comes to Monday is that going to happen again people will stick with these you know, uh, niche parties, so to speak, or will they gravitate to the two larger parties and give them, you know, the backbone and the numbers they need in order to form a government? I think that's what it really comes down to. It does, and but you know, we have no right to tell people how they should vote. Right. They should vote responsibly here too, and um, and but. You know, Israel, again, it's much more polarized and politicized, and people identify by party much more than they did in the United States. It's happening here, too, where we see the partisanship and the some of the extremist views and, and the, uh, the rallies and the atmospheres that is being created. Oh, yes. Um, but, um, you know, we hope that uh, wisdom prevails and people will act responsibly, first by voting, and that's a message to all of us here. Register now. Make sure you vote and, and you see how important uh, who gets elected is. Yeah. And, and a few votes in every race, in congressional races that are very important to us, and um, let alone the presidential and national uh, races. The challenges that we talk about each week, uh, it's only a, a small percentage of, of what is happening. When we see, you know, yesterday Governor Cuomo uh, put forward a very far-sighted and after compliment his leadership on the issue of anti-Semitism, pretty consistent over these past year or more. Uh, but he came up with this comprehensive uh, bill that addresses education, the security for institutions, um, accountability, um, and uh, an annual day of action to combat anti-Semitism, but most importantly, designating hate crimes as domestic terrorism acts under certain circumstances. Uh, but the message is what's important, and increasing the amount of money for and for religious institutions to be able to be eligible to get the money for for um, uh, creating um, um, security devices and to protect themselves against uh, hate crimes and expanding the Holocaust Museum. That's the kind of what we have to do is we have to take practical steps, lay it out, and and address what is happening in our society today. Our campuses are hostile. Um, many of them, including New York City, and we have lawsuits at Columbia, NYU, elsewhere, Syracuse, a lot of incidents over the last uh, couple of weeks. I mean, it's raging across it, and people should not take it for granted. The first thing they have to do is register, vote, and make a commitment, get involved in the races, see who's running, make your voice heard. It, it was never more important, and there's so much at stake. If we learned the lessons, if never again means something, this is how you give voice to it. Well said. Uh, finally, when you made your way up north, did you see a full Kinneret? Wow. You cannot imagine, for those who visited the, the Galilee and to see the Kinneret, it's unbelievable. It's within a few meters of being full. It means they're going to have to release water towards the Dead Sea. But 
a lot of the areas where people used to be able to walk out, it's all covered. It's literally up to the roads that you can see the uh, the water, and it was raining heavy the last uh, couple of days also. Uh, so the uh, when, when we were there, uh, so and when the snow melts, as you know, a lot of it comes into Canaret. Um, so yes, it's it's quite a remarkable sight as you go up north. But it, not only there, the, the Jordan, all of the little tributaries, everything is running fast and full. Unbelievable! And uh, it's, it's a what beautiful a sight, and especially you know in the Negev after you have often, unfortunately, very dangerous flash floods because water accumulates in the mountains and then can come rushing down. It can knock over a bus. It can it's taking people's lives. And uh, but uh, often you have the colonial, you have the beautiful flowers that that come out for a period of time, and also you see that the the Dead Sea is uh, has expanded and filled a lot of the areas uh, that were dried, and you could see the salt pillars and everything. Uh, um, now you don't see it. Unbelievable. And uh. we should also note, by the way, what Russia is doing the the test of the hypersonic missiles again, getting very little attention. I mean, we think so many things that are escalating uh, that require people's attention and people's uh, focus and the the need for to stay informed, to listen to, to your programs through the week, to listen to, to go to re- reliable sources, the dailyalert.org or World Jewish World Review, all these sources. People have to stay informed and to, and to be able to respond effectively. Malcolm, I thank you. Enjoy uh, APAC, and we look forward to speaking again next week. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Friday, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time here at JM in the AM. This time each and every Friday. Oh, before we go to Rabbi Yudin, uh, since today is Lobo's yard site, the great Chaim Lobo Silber, third yard site, we want to dedicate Rabbi Yudin's words to him, and tonight it's my brother's ninth yard site. And we want to dedicate, excuse me, we want to dedicate Rabbi Yudin's words to him as well, Rav Moshe Yona Ben, Rav Zev Halevi. This time each and every Friday, every era of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah, in, uh, spiritual leader emeritus, Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Truma. According to the Sefer Achinuch, Parshas Truma contains three mitzvos, two positive mitzvos, and one restriction. One of these positive mitzvos is the very powerful mitzvah of V'asuli Mikdash, V'shochanti B'solcham, literally, make for me a sanctuary that I may dwell in them. Now, I'd like to, first of all, present a basic machlokes as to how the mishkan, or the mikdash, which we had in the desert, came about. According to the Ramban, if you look at the book of Shmos, and we'll do this very quickly, there's a graph, and the the graph keeps going higher. In the book of Shmos, first parsha of Shmos, you have Hashem encountering Moshe at the burning bush, Moshe accepting the position. It might have taken a week, but Moshe says yes. We move on to Va'era, seven makos, and we're on our way. 
We go to Bo, we're out. Three more Makos, we're out of Egypt. Now what? Well, we go to Kriyas Yamsov in Bishalach. Can you top that? Yes. Let's go to Yisro, where we have Matan Torah. God's revealing himself to the Jewish people. And we're still going up, because we have continuation, God communicating with the Jewish people the laws man to man. Now what? Now the Ramban says the Jewish people tried. They tried to take the mountain with them, but they obviously couldn't, quote, move Har Sinai. So Hashem says, I'm going to give you the next best thing. I'm going to give you a portable Sinai, namely a Mikdash or the Mishkan in the desert. And just as Hashem communicated, spoke directly to Moshe at Har Sinai, so too would he speak to Moshe and that way to the entire Jewish people through the Mishkan. So the Ramban learns that the Mishkan is a portable Sinai. That's the mitzvah that we shall read, please God, tomorrow, the Shabbos, for Usuli Mishkan, and all the details of the portable Mishkan. According to the Ramban, the Mishkan slash the Mikdash, the, and the, the uh, mitzvah to build this Mishkan, is nothing but positive. Rashi has a different take on the Mishkan. Rashi tells you that if you look in two more weeks in Parshas Kisisa, right before the golden calf, Rashi tells you that this incident, the tragedy of the golden calf, actually occurred chronologically before this week's Parshas Truma. Namely, Hashem tells Moshe the mitzvah of V'asuli Mikdash V'shachanti B'socham on the morrow of Yom Kippur. The Egel was made on Shavasa Batamuz months before. The Torah does not put it in chronological order because then we would be reminded that we have a sanctuary because we needed something physical, something tangible. So according to Rashi, and indeed the Sapurno, as I'll show you in a moment as well, learns this way, that the Mikdash slash Mishkan was not preferable. What would have been preferable was all over. Bechomakom asher askirashmi, as we find at the end of Yisro. Ovoilecha uverachticha. God would be available anywhere, everywhere. We showed we needed something physical, tangible. We have a Mikdash. To both, however, the verse says, Vishokhanti Bisokham, that I might dwell not in it, the sanctuary, and certainly he is, and the Jewish philosophers that had to answer the question as to how could you limit God to any one place? 
when he is indeed all over, say, you're right. We're not limiting him, but that there is a greater tzimtzum. There's a greater degree of godliness God was able to put, to constrict more of his essence into this one place called a sanctuary. But ultimately, the purpose is that God should dwell in the midst of all the people, in the midst, in the homes of all Israel. So that in reality, this verse doesn't only tell us that we have a mitzvah to build a Beis HaMikdash, which there will be the third one as well. We have a mitzvah to build in the interim Mikdash Ma'at, synagogues throughout the world for us to connect and come to his home. But in reality, Vishokhanti Bisocham, Hashem is saying, I want to come and live in their homes. I want to dwell in their midst. As the rabbis tell us, Ish Isha Shruya Shchino Shruya Benehem. Man and woman who live properly in accordance with our Torah, then God's presence is between them. Not just is the letter Yud found in the pronoun Ish and the letter He found God's name, Yud and He, in the pronoun Isha, but that the home should be prepared as a Jewish home. And therefore, I think for a moment or two, we should maybe speak about just as when one has young children, one child-proofs the home, meaning that it's going to be safe for young children to crawl around and they're not going to, quote, break things that are fragile and hurt themselves or swallow things that they shouldn't be eating at their tender age, so too we have to make our home an appropriate environment, a holy environment, where God is going to feel, forgive me, comfortable, welcome in our midst. And so, I recommend that you take a look, interestingly, at the Sapurno at the beginning of chapter 11 in Parsha Shmini, in the third book of the Torah, where the Torah is introducing the laws of Kashras, which animals we may <clears throat> and which animals we may not eat. And in his very strong introduction, the Sapurno follows the opinion of Rashi that ideally we did not need the physical sanctuary, but that now what the Torah is doing is that God is giving man the opportunity to make themselves worthy of the Shekhinah. And they do, he does so, Hashem, by giving us the laws of tikkun, enhancing, fixing, elevating, hamizonos, our eating, vehatolada, and our procreation, our living with 
our lives. And therefore, what we have in this week's parasha is the various kalim that Hashem tells Moshe to make, which he will later on instruct B'Tzalel or Leov to make these kalim. And let's understand that as there was a Aron in the sanctuary, the ark, which was the primary and most important of all the vessels, so too every home is to have its Aron Kodesh, its home receptacle of the holy, namely to have holy books. A Jewish home is not only a Jewish home by having various books, including histories of the Jew, but rather you need the books of our destiny, the books that are going to perpetuate Jewish life. You need the Torah in your home. You need the commentary on the Torah. And each person, in accordance with their level, this person needs a shas, and when he finishes that, he needs the Yushalmi, and this other person needs the Rashi with a translation, that they'll be able to understand it. And so each person needs that Jewish library, which is included in the Aron. Then the Torah says there has to be a shulchan, a table. Now the table in the sanctuary was there for us to provide on a weekly basis our thank you to Hashem for His providing us with our sustenance and this was a vehicle for Him to bless us. Our table has to be a vehicle whereby one, primarily, kosher food is being served at our table. Two, there is the recitation of blessings at our table. Three, our table is going to be one, which is not only for our own immediate family, but the opportunity to invite guests. And we're talking about not only the importance of inviting friends so that we are reinforced with our belief and our children have children to play also of a similar nature but as the Torah tells us at the end of Parshas Re'eh in terms of whom you should have at your table that you should have the Levi the uh, Levite who doesn't have land the Geir, the stranger be it literally the convert or those persons who don't have their own homes or those persons such as the Yasom, the orphan, literally and figuratively, one who does not have and a connection to a Shabbos Yom Tov table. And the Almana, the woman who was unfortunately alone, be it literally the widow, a divorcee, reach out and bring to your table others, that not only should your Shabbos and Yom Tov be special for you, but special for them as well. And the concept of not only having an Oron, 
not only having a shulchan, but the concept of a mizbeach. A mizbeach literally where sacrifices were brought in yesteryear. And today, not that we look upon tzedakah as a sacrifice, but it's the act of affecting and enhancing once again the lives of others. The gemilas chasadim is one way of doing it, literally at your table, and tzedakah is another way of supporting the mikvah, supporting the eruv, supporting the yeshivos, of making sure that the Jewish community is functioning in the best way possible. This is the way God is going to be welcome in your home. What a powerful parsha it is. Don't let the technicalities of all the aspects of the Caleb distract you from the incredible privilege of who is not only coming for dinner, but who is moving in nonetheless. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu Bechvodo Uba'atzmo and we have to make sure that our homes are ready and appropriate for him. We have to make sure that our computers are properly filtered so that our children who are growing up with all kinds of challenges about them, that they too are inviting Hashem into their rooms as well. Shabbat Shalom. Shayam in the AM, my thanks to Rabbi Yudin, of course. Those important words about Parshas Truma. Much appreciated. Friday morning broadcast here at JM the AM. Before we get to Jake Novak, let me just go through some of the uh, app comments because they do include some Mazel Tov wishes. First of all, thanks to everybody for uh, for um, the nice things you have to say about my late brother. I appreciate that. The art site is tonight. Mazel tov to Shalom and Rina Veg on the Bar Mitzvah of Mayor. Mazel tov from all of us here at JMDM. Also, Mazel tov to the Golden Katz families on Shandy's Bat Mitzvah and commemorating first yard site of Saba Shalom Kronbein today. That comes from listener Daniel. Um, what else do we have here? Um, oh, someone points out that they got the Zara Shimshon Megillas Esther at artscroll.com, and got a big, big discount with promo code RADIO. Excellent. Make sure to do so. I appreciate that very much. And Mazel Tov to Ari and Deborah Brand on the Bar Mitzvah of Zach. A lot of Mazel Tov wishes coming through on the, uh, on the app this morning here at JM in the AM. Uh, well, Jake Novak is known to the world as a, uh, an editorial columnist of uh, CNBC. He is uh, creator of the Varney and Company show on Fox Business, former executive producer of the Kudlow Report. We know him, though, as host of Novak Now at the Nahum Siegel Network every Monday at 11 o'clock. We also know him as an amazing political analyst, and it is with great pleasure that we remind this audience, as we've been announcing over the last 48 hours, that Jake Novak is going to anchor an election special the moment the polls close in Israel, which will be 3 p.m. Eastern time on Monday. We will go live, and Jake Novak will uh, preside over a distinguished panel for a period of three to four hours, analyzing, informing first, and then analyzing uh, what's going on uh, regarding the third recent election in the state of Israel. Jake Novak, welcome back to JM in the AM. 
Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate the fact that you're doing this, and I'm glad we're able to provide it for everybody because, frankly, while Israelis, no doubt, uh, and this I excuse them for, a lot of times we want the Israelis listening to us as well, but the Israelis, no doubt, will be tuning into their regular news sources. Our listeners want to know, and want to know as soon as possible, uh, what the conjecture, what the predictions are based on the election results and the predictions meaning, of course, how many mandates, how many seats, what, are there possibilities for you know getting together and forming a government, etc., etc. And Jake, I am sure that once information starts to filter out on uh, on Monday afternoon here in the New York area, you'll have plenty of info and plenty of analysis for everybody. Yeah, I mean, we we're inter- into a very unique situation, not only because this is the third election in eleven months, but it is going to be very difficult, other other than this show to find out this information on Monday night because of a number of reasons. First of all, forget about the American news media. They, have re- they really kind of ignore the, the results anyway. They right. are no longer covering international news in any way, shape, or form. But also, it's the night before the Super Tuesday primary, so they're really right. not going to be focused on it. Even the day after, I don't think they're going to have more than a, 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 any mention at all, really, of the Israel election. So that's one important thing. Also, remember that in Israel... Not only is that coverage uh, only in Hebrew, and 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 all the you know Kolokovo to everyone who who can follow that completely in Hebrew, right. but it's not that easy to find on the web. Um, and a lot of Israel shuts down. Election days are national holidays. It's it's actually a very expensive enterprise for the Israeli news networks to uh, broadcast on election night. You would, I mean, it's out, it's an outrageous situation, but they have to pay everybody time and a half. Right. So they are not going to bend over backwards for more English content or to broaden out the, the coverage at all. So I really felt like there was a, a, a gap to be met here, and I'm, I'm glad that we're able to do it. Uh, Jake Novak's with us. You'll next hear him on Monday morning at 11 a.m. and then during our election special that he'll anchor starting at 3 p.m. Eastern time this coming Monday. If you're curious about results and analysis post-Israeli election number three, uh, make sure to tune in. Uh, now, Jake, you've been given the task of putting together some interesting people to speak to during those few hours. How has that gone so far? Uh, it's gone really well. Uh, we have some very interesting guests, people who really understand the situation. You know, that's that's another thing you're not going to get even on Israel. Even the Israeli networks won't be able to give you the kind of perspective we're going to be giving you. Uh, we have Rabbi Yotav Eliach, the writer of the book Judaism, Zionism, and the Land of Israel. Many of you know his name and, sure. and his parents, who are very famous people uh, as well in the Jewish community. Uh, Yotav it really understands the history, the politics, and, the, and he will be a very good source for us to kind of figure out what's going on overall, not just, not just, to, not just the day of the election. Right. Uh, Mayor Weingarten from the Israel Show here on this network is going to be joining us. Um, a really good reporter from Israel who's been in the United States for a while, Tal Heinrich, who uh, will actually be uh, reporting to us from the APAC conference. I mean, mm. for, uh, you cannot blame APAC for having <laughs> APAC during this election because it's the third election in 11 months. I mean, how can they possibly keep avoiding this issue? Um, so uh, they're going to be going on. So she'll be reporting not only about what's going on in Israel from her very good sources there, but also what they're talking about at APAC. We'll get some very good updates there. Uh, Sarah Stern from the Emmet organization in New York will be will be joining us. Um, also, you know, listen, this is going to be a balanced program. Um, I, I, I hope if you want to hear about some of the opposition, for example, sure. to Benjamin Netanyahu, we'll be hearing from Shai Franklin, who is a obviously very strong supporter of Israel, but a strong supporter of Benny Gantz and the Blue and White Party, and he'll give us. You know, I, I, I'm dying to really hear from someone in a longer form. Uh, some of the reasoning behind the party, other than you know they're they're kind of sick of Benjamin Netanyahu, which I can understand anyone 
uh, being after a long time, has been in office for a long time, personalities do start to chafe on people. But I think he'll be able to give us a little bit more on that. So it's, uh, that's, those are just some of the people we'll be hearing from, sure. All right, Jake Novak is going to be anchoring election coverage, but not for Super Tuesday. It's going to be on Monday, 3 p.m. Eastern time, as results start pouring in from Israel, and he'll have an amazing panel. You just heard part of that panel um, uh, revealed. Uh, who will be discussing the Israeli election and the aftermath of the election. Is there, uh, uh, is there a possibility that there'll actually be a government that will be formed? Uh, you'll know a lot more once the results are in and once uh, the discussion begins on uh, Monday. And if not, Jake, we may have to bring you back again for the fourth Israel election and for a post-election show that time. But I'm not going to jump the gun and, <laughs> and, 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 and put it in pen yet. Hopefully we'll have some solid results this time around, and maybe actually a stable government. Who knows? I, I, I hope so. I, I, I don't think a fourth election will help <laughs> anything, but that's what we said about the last one. So I just, you know, listen, we'll, we'll give you the results, we'll give you the analysis, we will be as objective as we can, but also hoping to pass on some wisdom. As well. All right, I can't let you go without asking the question that every listener wants to ask you, and that is your impression of the stock market in light of the coronavirus situation. Well, what the stock market is doing right now is it's refusing to put a blind bet on the table. I hate to use a gambling term here, but why would you put money on a roulette table when the, when the numbers are covered up? Or if, why would you play blackjack with you aren't able to look at the cards? Right now, the markets cannot gauge how bad this virus is going to be from an economic standpoint. So it's They're, the unknown that's, that's guiding this. It's the unknown. So one of the things I tell a lot of people, who you know, whether they're active investors or not, is first of all, I would not be making any big moves one way or the other because it, being blind means being blind. So if you're saying, well, I'm not going to push the accelerator because uh, you know, I, can't, I can't see, it also makes sense not to hit the brake because you'll get rear-ended. Right. So the point is the markets don't know what the huge economic effect will be one way or the other. I happen to be in the camp that I feel like the economic effect will be worse for some other countries, certainly for countries like South Korea and, and, and China. I, I don't know how China really will fully recover from this because I don't see companies moving back to China that have already left. But here in the United States, there's a potential for a nice recovery, but I would not make any change. But that's not me telling you put a big bet on the market today. That's not what I would do. I would try to take a a good look at where you are and, and, and realize that everything is blind right now, and hopefully we'll know more in the coming days. But the markets cannot be blamed for selling off when it doesn't know enough. But at some point, we should start seeing a flattening out. If we start seeing the market shooting up really, really quickly, I don't think that's a great sign either they, right. until we know something. Do you think today's going to be a similar day to the rest of the week? I think today will be a quieter day because no one, like, because of what I just said. Right. You don't want to be putting – I never like putting a big bet on the market on a Friday anyway when there's an exterior non-market event affecting the markets. In other words, if you know that the markets are going to move next week because of an earnings report that's scheduled or a jobs report that's scheduled, that's fine. You can make a bet on that. But when it has nothing to do with the market schedule, like this virus, where we could get three or four stories on Saturday or Sunday that change the market one way or the other – it's not a great idea to make a bet one way or the other. I mean, there could be something that really moves the markets higher over the weekend and some positive news, and, then you, and, you, and you're betting against the market. That's a bad mistake, and, that, and, and vice versa. If you're betting with the market and there's bad news on this virus, you know, God forbid, then you're also in a bad position. So I, I would expect today to be a flatter day, and if it isn't a flatter day, then the markets are being foolish. You know, you've heard me say this before. The markets are often wrong, but they never lie. 
In other words, when they put money on something, they really believe in that sucker. Right. You know? So I think uh, if they're really making a big bet today, they might, it doesn't mean they're right. It, just, it could mean, that, but it does mean that they believe in something. But that doesn't mean you have to do, the t- you, you have to do it too. Uh, Jake Novak, you'll hear him at 11 a.m. Monday here at the Nahum Siegel Network. And then the big news, 3 p.m. Monday uh, on an election special that include an incredible panel uh, right after the polls close in Israel. Jake, Shabbat Shalom to you. We look forward to a big Monday. Thanks so much. There he is, Jake Novak. More coming up. It's the Nahum Siegel Network with a reminder. Where did that announcement go? <laughs> Here it is. This portion of NSN programming is brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausages and Deli is the world's best, serving the kosher world since 1954 and available at better kosher supermarkets nationwide. Try A&H today and enjoy it. Go to the supermarket, toss about you know, 10, 15 packages of A&H into your wagon. You'll be glad you did. I can tell you that much. Uh, a reminder that those of you who want to join us at the Hudson Valley Resort for Pesach, those of you who want to join us at the Hudson Valley Resort and the Catskills for Pesach, destinations613.com, destinations613.com. Also a reminder, we'll be in Lakewood Thursday, 11 until 1, a live lunch in Lakewood at the J2 uh, establishment, which is located on uh, Madison Avenue down in Lakewood. If you want to be part of that broadcast or uh, be involved in some way, just be in touch with Miriam Wallach, Miriam at NahumSiegel.com, Miriam at NahumSiegel.com. And don't forget, as we continue to tell you, that Art Scroll has the uh, incredible Zara Shimshon on Megillas Esther available right now. 15% discount if you use the promo code RADIO. 15% discount if you use the promo code RADIO. Zara Shimshon on Megillas Esther. Go to ArtScroll.com, ArtScroll.com, use promo code Code radio. All right. And congratulations to the Yeshiva University men's basketball team. They won last night. They're in the Skyline Conference Championship this coming Sunday. It's exciting up in Washington Heights, to say the least. More coming up Friday, Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM.
A.B. Rottenberg and Shlomo Simcha together on H volume number three. That's called Vishamru. It's actually the final uh, song on the album. It's brand new here for you at JM in the AM. Um, a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Truma, Candelani at 525. Before we go to our closing, one more time, I'm going to remind everybody, uh, tomorrow is the uh, yard site of my brother who passed away at the age of 59 from esophageal cancer. He was diagnosed... Um, a few months before he passed away with stage four esophageal cancer. And I remind you that, um, and I know that this announcement has helped people in this audience, that very often if you suffer from heartburn, very often if you suffer from heartburn, that will turn into something called Barrett's. That in turn will turn into something called cancer cells. Go to your doctor. If you're a heartburn sufferer or somebody who's susceptible to this or has a family history, like our family, obviously, um, go to your doctor, discuss it with them, uh, suggest, and they will likely suggest you have an endoscopy, which is a screening, and if it's caught in time, boy, what a difference it can make. If it is caught in time, it can make a big, big difference. And we announce this every year, Lezech Nishmas, Rav Moshe Yonav, and Rav Zev Halevi, hoping that it'll continue to save lives and allow people to live longer and better. Time to say good Shabbos on this Friday, Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. The sun is going down It's shining through the trees Another week's gone by Become a memory So throw Cause all your work is done I'm gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup 
that's filled with wine. Man and his creator, it's a very special sign. Your candles will be burning, they'll fill your home with light. Singing songs of Shabbos, well into the night. So throw away your hammer, there's nothing left to do. We are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Congratulations again to the Yeshiva University men's basketball team, the Maccabees. They've won 25 in a row. Excuse me. They've won 24, 25, 26 in a row. <laughs> and hopefully 27 this coming Sunday when they're in the Skyline Championship. At 1 o'clock at Yeshiva University this coming Sunday. Good luck to the Max, Coach Elliot Steinmetz, and all the wonderful players. Uh, coming up next, it's Table for Two with Naomi Nachman, the Arab Shabbos Show with Mark Zamek, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, the Arab Shabbos Music Mix, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. will keep you very busy and uh, inspired between now and candle lighting time. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, single with Avrami. Matis is on JM Sunday from 7 until 9 Eastern time this coming Sunday. Matis with JM Sunday starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time this coming Sunday. And, of course, Monday we're back right here at JM in the AM. Uh, very much looking forward to it. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Until uh, next week, Nahum Segal reminding you, remember to past, live the present, and trust the future.